0: Mar-a- and Mar-a- 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 and Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, weekly blast.
1: There are losses that have made me feel better than the Suns' victory over the Magic last night at Footprint Center for the first 22 minutes. I wondered if they would ever win another game without Kevin Durant. They were outpaced up and down the court. Their defense was terrible. The communication was poor. And they didn't look anything like a buttoned-up, arrogant, we-are-coming-for-your-throat kind of basketball team required to win a championship. And then we all have to stop and remind ourselves, don't judge this team, at least not now, because there really really isn't a team in Phoenix anymore. There are two superstars and a supporting cast, and that was by choice, the desire of the brand new owner. But by the end of last night, we can agree, we all breathed the sigh of relief, but the schedule is about to get nasty, and with nearly 80 minutes played in the past two games, the team is playing with fire when it comes to Devin Booker. But let's Head into the weekend on a couple of bright spots. Campaign and Josh O'Kogee. One guy brought the juice last night, the other guy brought the defense, and these are qualities that Mikhail Bridges took with him to the East Coast. And we can all see this team could really use campaign to go on something of a heater. Because this stone faced group really needs an emotional touchstone, somebody to galvanize and fire up the entire group. Because to be honest, the next couple of weeks, they're going to feel like landing a plane in turbulence during rush hour at O'Hare Airport, and let's hope when the moment comes, the landing gear works properly. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury attainable. You can find them online at chapmanbmw.com. I think he's just dealing with some general soreness, you know. Uh, He may have gotten hit or something like that. I know he went down one time um, going to the basket, but... um I played him way too many minutes the other night on a back-to-back, and he was feeling it Um, yesterday when I got the report. He had some some soreness, and uh, so he's... You know, he's a bit stressed um, from a minutes perspective because that's the first time he's played that many minutes in a long, long time. And to do that on a back-to-back is, you know, that's that's tough. So I think a day off um, will
2: help him. That's Monty Williams, the head coach of the Suns, talking about Devin Booker, the general soreness, as you referenced in the Blast Bic, and aptly mm. so, the amount of minutes, 43 minutes against Milwaukee in the second game of a back-to-back. Uh, and maybe we saw the results of it. Last night, Devin Booker still played 36 minutes and 19 seconds, 7 of 17 from the floor, 19 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, 4 turnovers, including a key one down the stretch where uh, he turned the ball over without getting a shot up uh, and uh, could have swung the game. Mm -hmm. He did not look comfortable last night. Orlando made him uncomfortable. And yesterday I joked uh, on the show and talking about what the Suns needed. And I joked, hey, we're going to see 55 points tonight from Devin Booker as a way to say, you know what, everything's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And the Suns got the result that they wanted. Obviously, the path to get there was much different. Um, And in in my quote-unquote analysis, I was wrong. Maybe this is a more valuable way to get a win. Moving forward, maybe they could take more use and more um, of what they can apply moving Mm -hmm. forward because they got contributions from others. This was not Devin Booker putting the cape on and carrying his team to a victory. Right. I don't think anybody played uh, fantastic in the starting lineup, no. especially fantastic um, you know, through, throughout the game. But when you get a game that you're able to chalk up in the win column, mm-hmm. thanks to the contributions of Josh Okogie and Cameron Payne, that could pay dividends down the stretch. We'll yeah.
1: see. Well, listen, and again, this is, this is all kind of like mental gymnastics, but I really do believe that if you want to keep your sanity as a Suns fan, after all everyone has been through, and look... Nobody knows how uh, much this town is on edge like we do uh, when it comes to this basketball team. Vinny's sitting at courtside every night. We're talking about this stuff every day. We understand exactly how much this valley is up and down and uh-huh. out of their minds with this basketball team. All right, so I, I, I think where I where I really get the most concerned is when I when I take my expectations of what a championship team is supposed to look like, and then I put that team up against a team like we saw with the Bucks the other night, a team where where a full of elite defenders and hunger and aggression and physicality and swagger and more to the point, everybody on that team kind of knows what their role is. They know when they're going to play. They know what's expected of them and they do it very, very well. You can make the same uh, uh, case for the Boston Celtics back about a month ago when they were firing red hot and and I think I get really concerned when I look at the Suns and I go, Suns don't look anything like a team like that. I mean, nothing like a team like that. And then you have to remind yourself why they made the trade and then you have to remind yourself at what it looked like when Kevin Durant was here yes. and those games they didn't all go that swimmingly when Kevin Durant was around but somehow the Suns kept winning and, and a couple of the scores weren't even close and you're like wow this really makes it look easy so what the Suns have done is they have traded for a higher ceiling and for a better chance to win a championship and it looks a lot different and and again when I say that the Suns aren't much aren't exactly a team I don't mean that literally of course they're a team they They put five guys on the court at one time. They're a team. But you know what I mean. It's the difference between a super team and a team where there is just this strength in numbers. It's not the way you have to do it. And it's not the way the Suns are choosing to do it. And I think... I think on some level, what I said yesterday in the blast is also true, even though I think James Jones has whiffed on a couple of very important moves recently, you got to be real careful and blaming him right now for anything you see because this isn't necessarily his plan. And, and so they're all adapting now to how we're going to make this work with KD. So, in best case scenario, what you said is going to come true. That all these all this weirdness, all these bumps, all this yes. that it's that they're going to find a way to get the guys
2: in the jigsaw puzzle where they belong. Yeah, they're they're in a position now. And it's true. We know this. Kevin Durant will make things better will he make everything better and even go back to the three game sample that we saw where kevin durant you know jaws were dropping he's shooting 69% from the floor over three games they go 3 and 0 everything looked easier but and he how, didn't miss a big shot no he how, had a chance to win a game and he did it then again on the flip side how much of it was uh, based on the competition Charlotte, bad basketball team. Chicago, a middling basketball team who had improved defensively since the turn of the the calendar. Uh, So they had improved there, but still not a team built for winning. And then Dallas, a Mm -hmm. good team with a lot of firepower, and we saw it that day, but a team that struggles defensively and is struggling still to find its identity defensively. That's all we have to judge it on. Yep, it is. What you know? We had two opportunities since Kevin Durant had been acquired by the Suns to see him against the Milwaukee Bucks. He didn't play in either game. You know, um, you know the, the, some of the good teams that they've played. He's been he's been absent for those games. It is. It's such a weird situation, to without be in.
1: a doubt. Listen, so so I think for the sanity of all of us, we all have to reconcile. This might work when KD comes back; it might not. The most important thing is to not expose yourself to the play Just stay out of that. Give yourself a real series with KD and Devin Booker to see if they can't ramp this thing up and get all the way to the finish line like Golden State did last year. Mm-hmm. That's the possibility. The 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 more probable. Outcome would be give the Suns and Matt Ishbia and James Jones an offseason now to backfill around Kevin Durant and Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Uh-huh. And and then see what this looks like. Because this is, it, This is you can, you, you're you watching it, you can see how clunky this is.
2: Yeah, and the Suns don't play again until Sunday against Oklahoma City, so we'll hope for, for good news on the diagnosis of DeAndre Ayton, who got banged up. want to give the Suns credit, too, here. They don't get to the free throw line a lot, and that's been an issue with this team. 17 for 17 last night. a oh. three-point game is huge. First game all year, the Suns have not missed a free throw as a team. Wow. So okay, every, every point we pointed out the bonehead plays that Orlando no, made yeah, in the first yeah, half, yeah, yeah. which loomed large, but so did the Suns free throw shooting. You can uh, become a Suns insider. Just text Valley to 620 620 to do that, and you'll get all the latest and breaking news on the Suns and their quest for an NBA championship right from ArizonaSports.com. That's Valley to 620 620. Coming up next, ever since the NFL PA survey came out, we've been wondering how negative remarks about the Arizona Cardinals would linger and be perceived. Well, they're lingering still weeks later, and we'll tell you why next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Friday edition, St. Patrick's Day edition. St. Patrick's Day! Ooh, have, have you, you pr- heard about Patrick O'Brien? Where is Peter O'Brien these days? Oh, Peter, yeah. Yeah. Patrick
1: is a great author, master and commander in in the Jack Aubrey, Stephen Matter and fame. What am I thinking? Peter O'Brien. Wow, look at that literary knowledge dropped off the top of your head. Yeah, I see, now
2: that I can do. Yeah. Literary trivia for uh, 500 Vinny. Oh, well, we got to get you on our, our trivia team, because yeah. that is not a strong trivia. Oh, I got you covered because there. Because I never learned to read. I got you there. <laughs> Guitar players and literature. <laughs> Boom. Boom. There's uh, the niche I've got covered for you. I did read an article on uh, StarTribune.com. That is the website of the Minneapolis Star Tribune in the Twin Cities. Byron Murphy Jr., former Arizona Cardinal, signed a two-year deal with the Minnesota Vikings. Um, and I think we were both alarmed to a certain degree, Bick, about um, the the financial parameters of that deal. Mm-hmm. It had been rumored that Byron Murphy might be able to get sixteen million, upwards of sixteen million dollars per year. It didn't happen that way. Uh, it looks like it's about half of that over the two year deal when it when it's all said and done. And from what I've been able to gather and have heard from people, there were teams concerned about the back injury. That uh, Byron Murphy suffered last year, that cut short his season, mm-hmm. uh, but there was a couple of uh, quotes that came out in this article from Byron Murphy, um, one of them was about the back injury uh, you know this this article written by Andrew Kramer uh, on the Star Tribune talked about the back injury and said the last year back injury undercut him he missed the last seven games his longest absence since his 2017 season in college Murphy had played 47 of 49 games to start his NFL career he passed his Vikings physical and said he was 100% healthy yesterday he said quote it's hard when you have to sit there and go through all the treatments and everything just seeing your guys practice and compete on Sundays but it made me sit back and realize how grateful I am to play this game so that might have had an effect on what actually transpired in free agency as well but he also talked about picking the brains of former teammates jordan hicks left the cardinals went to the vikings patrick peterson left the cardinals went to the vikings those two along with defensive backs coach marcus robertson who was once upon a time on the staff at arizona all with minnesota so byron murphy sought out some some advice on signing with minnesota and the quote came from Marcus Robertson, according to Murphy. Robertson was just like, man, you're going to go up there with a great group of guys who actually care about their players all those little details and stuff i was looking at he kind of answered for me
1: okay and now so the question becomes that actually care about their guys w- what exactly was being communicated to byron murphy junior there was that that th- the vikings are rare or you're coming from the place that's rare in a bad way and and I, you can read that any number of different ways, but again, I, I think it's really incumbent. The Cardinals need to kind of see what's in front of them here. And and everything that they seem to be, have going for them in 2013 with B.A. and Steve Kime and Carson Palmer, when it seemed like they were a, a launching pad and a destination site for, for free agents to come in and, and all that stuff, they better, they better pay attention to this because it, even if it's not true perceptually, it seems to be gaining steam that the cardinals are cheap it, it, this is a new this is a new old story this is a story that defined the cardinals from i don't know when that reputation began but i sure know it was all true through the 90s yes. and the
2: first half of the 2000s yes and you know to hear it still being somewhat pervasive mm-hmm. and we got some response today like you know how how valid was the nfl pa um survey that went out 13 players 1300 players we know responded to this. We don't have the breakdown by teams. Mm-hmm. It comes out to about 40 players per team. And you could and, 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 and you know we had a listener that said well, we don't know what the Cardinals Uh, participation was. It could have been a handful of guys. You're very right. But we just had a free agent, a prominent free agent that the general manager, Monty Fort was on record as of a a couple weeks ago saying, we're interested in bringing this guy back. Mm -hmm. And he didn't come back. He went elsewhere on a very affordable deal and the conditions and the experience of being an Arizona Cardinal as opposed to being a Minnesota Viking came to the forefront in that player's quotes, Yep. I think that's alarming. I do too.
1: I do too. So now, you, so you ask yourself. You can also, um, as a fan, you can say, okay, really, how 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 important is it really that that a football team has food ready for players comped every second of the day, and how important are these things? They are. They do matter to some people. And Vinny, I think you put it best because I kind of i i sort of downplayed the idea of like, all right, so. So their their team headquarters doesn't have a daycare facility. Big deal. What do I care about that as a fan of the Arizona Cardinals? Am I going to get mad at them for that? And your response was, well, look, if you're a single dad, free agent coming in for a visit, that might make a difference to you. And you're right. Where I, where I really am going to begin to look at this thing, because I, I think the NFL is getting into this realm I think the NFL, for the longest time, I think the salary cap and real money used to be fairly close together. I think the salary cap in football over the years has been kind of, kind of ripped apart to the point where it's, it's more, it's more fraudulent than not. So I think there's two numbers now. There's the cash that your owner is willing to spend, and then there's the salary cap number. Um, in 2022, cash spent by the Arizona Cardinals This would have been for 2022 per sport track, $228.5 million. By comparison, Rams, $295 million. That's a big difference, wouldn't you say? Yes. 295.9, so that's 296 to 228. That's basically $68 million. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, the 49ers, $251 million. That's a couple players more than the Cardinals. And then the Seahawks were at $246 million. So the Cardinals are the last in cash spending based on 2022, and it ain't even close. And that's the number that you've got to be concerned about if you're worried about this team becoming cheap again. And this is the, and again, I don't want to believe this. I really don't.
2: Because that would be going back to that era of football. No bueno. Yeah, and it's just strange too, because you know, there is a new coach coming in and a new coaching staff and a new general manager, and this isn't an about face from what was a decade of, of the tenure of Steve Kim, and there was a certain way of doing things. Now there wasn't always consistency in those ways. So this is a massive departure for Michael Bidwell, because not only did he bring in a new general manager, he did it coming from the outside, mm-hmm. which is not the cardinal way to do things. Yeah. And early indications are this is gonna be a rough transition year mm-hmm. with a plan in place uh, the last time they brought in um, uh, you know one of the last times they brought in a coach, Steve Wilkes, I'm I guess the Cardinals thought that they were going to be competitive that year and that's why Steve Wilkes got fired you would have to think that Jonathan Gann and his staff Monty Ford have a big cushion to make things a little right bit of a runway. yeah I would yeah. yeah I would definitely think that
1: and again a, a, before you get crazy about money spent on this coming year keep in mind Michael bidwell um, I, I don't we don't know what that Cliff Kingsbury contract looked like but that thing I'm sure doesn't go down easy
2: no you know uh, what I mean yeah we, we we've never seen the the details of the of the contract and we've heard conflicting reports mm-hmm. on Guaranteed or fully guaranteed or uh, what it was, but yeah. Right. You don't want to you don't want to be paying that che- writing that check after you just gave a guy a no. contract extension. No. You can text your thoughts to the FanDuel Text Line at 620, 620 right now. Arizona State still alive in the NCAA tournament. Big game today against TCU. We'll get a preview and a look back at their first four win. Chris Cartman from Sundevilsource joins us next. It's Bickley Marada Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Marotta. Dan Bickley and Vince Morata Bickley and Morata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. And Sun Devils in action tonight. Round one play in Denver against six-seeded TCU, a game you can hear right here on the Arizona Sports app and 98.7. And a man who will be there covering it for Sundevilsource.com. Their publisher, Chris Cartman, joins us here on the Arizona Sports line. Chris, thanks for the time today. How are you?
0: I'm doing
2: well, appreciate it Uh, Let's go back to the other night and what we saw in Dayton and what we saw was a a basketball team that was wearing Sun Devil uniforms that looked like they were possessed I I just sat there with my jaw dropped at how well they played how intense they were for 40 minutes and we've seen glimpses of that notably the Michigan game and the, the Oregon game but where did that come from?
0: Yeah, that was, uh, I think, almost anomalous to the the entire season. We've seen ASU's a pretty poor shooting team overall for a NCAA tournament team. Uh, That's been their biggest flaw uh, really the whole season. And then to come out, I heard it was uh, the best shooting performance uh, by field goal percentage in 133 games in uh, NCAA tournament history in Dayton. So um, you, you just uh, you just kind of shake your head and DJ Horn comes out, makes his first four three-pointers. He's looking at his hand like my hand just did that. Uh, <laughs> you got, you've got got Desmond Cambridge Jr. kind of making these impossible Kobe Bryant-like shots over the backboard from the baseline and fallaways and everything was going for them. And um, I think a lot of ASU fans were hitting me up saying that they Hope that they didn't use up too much of that yeah. uh, in the in, in Dayton because uh, there's a lot of angst about uh, going on another game given the totality of the season. Vinny and I watched,
1: uh, I, I, and I watched more ASU basketball this year than I've had um, in quite some time, but just but just for a lot of different reasons. But the, the, at their worst, they had games where they could not function at the end of the game, and that's exactly the way Arizona looked in their loss yesterday. What is the level of perceived enjoyment? of this role reversal of ASU playing a a game today with Arizona being eliminated?
0: Quite high among ASU fans, especially because there was a a ton of smack-talking by Arizona that, that, uh, you know, beating ASU in the rubber match at the Pac-12 tournament and then uh, making fun of ASU for for only being in the, you know, play-in game. And, uh, you know, Kirk Carissa is the guy who's famous for infamous maybe for the the forks down thing that he that he does, and then he goes and has a terrible performance, lays an egg, uh point guard play so important in the NCAA tournament. Arizona learned that the hard way.
2: Yeah, forget those yeah. losers. They're yeah. out. Let's focus on ASU the rest of the way. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <Chris. laughs> no, Sorry. I'm glad we got it in. Uh one of the things that stood out to me and has stood out recently is the play off the bench from Jemiah Neal, who arguably was the best player on the floor for the Sun Devils the other night? How is that replicable? In in your opinion, are we just seeing a hot stretch from Jemiah Neal, or is this a kid who you feel is like the the light bulb has finally gone on?
0: Yeah, the trend line is quite good, actually, with Neal. He had double figures in both games against two of the three games against Arizona. Uh, he had a 14 point performance, I think, against Washington earlier this year. Uh, when you watch him play six, six, lanky, puts the ball on the floor and play above the rim. Uh, he led the team with three steals. Uh, he's maybe, arguably, their top pro prospect, actually. And wow. so, um, and he plays a. Um, you know, sometimes he over dribbles, and it's a little bit too much. To try to square you up one on one stuff but he's learning and he's developing rapidly. He has a, he has a great attitude. He did that um, on Wednesday in front of 30 family members. He's originally from uh, Ohio, so uh, it's a very exciting uh, time for him. And I think that when uh, Desmond Cambridge leaves and, and others do as well, that you're going to see Jeremiah Neal be able to pick up the mantle to a large degree.
1: All right, I'm curious what you think, um, the, the performance on Wednesday in Dayton and tonight's Opportunity for ASU and Bobby Hurley, what it means when you juxtapose that to Bobby Hurley's immediate future at ASU and what might be swirling over his head in terms of the school and their commitment to him, whether they even want him anymore, uh, given the fact that AZ Central's lead columnist called for his job before Wednesday's game, given the fact Michael Crow came out and said Desert Financial Arena's perfectly functional Given all that you know, what do you think is happening right now?
0: Well, yeah, I think um, its columns are designed to generate attention and, and, and interest, um, but that was kind of the wrong time for that, in my opinion. We've seen teams make runs that were unexpected in the NCAA tournament, Oregon State uh, two years ago, right? Like going to the Elite yeah. Eight. If Bobby Hurley's in the Elite Eight in two weeks, uh, that, that doesn't look like a good column, right? So, uh, I, I just think. That's why you kind of let things play themselves out before you come to any sort of conclusions prematurely. We knew ASU for a while has been a bubble team. Bubble teams can make runs. Bobby Hurley hasn't had the type of uh, you know, impressive postseason resume that you would like to see if you're an ASU fan eight seasons in. One of those years, the pandemic cost the team a possible tournament bid. But he's had three, which is, and yes, they've all been in Dayton, but uh, that's more than uh, any coach since Ned Wolk. Um, so that's not, that's not nothing. Um, I, I, yes, he has one year left on his contract. I think that this has been an evaluation year. He's known that to be the case. Will he be back? I think that's not entirely determined. I, it's even maybe possible that he decides that he wants to go and chill out for a little bit and then come back somewhere else. But I don't know for sure. That's kind of speculation. Uh, I do think though that how, that how this weekend goes, Uh, could have some influence on that ultimate decision.
2: Chris Cartman, publisher of SunDevilSource.com our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. About today's opponent uh, TCU coming from the Big 12 which was just a a monster of a conference this year and you look at their overall record and it doesn't look all that sterling and they were 500 in the conference. This is a really good basketball team and they're a different team when they have Mike Miles Jr. and he's healthy and available. How do you break down uh, TCU? What they They present to ASU and ASU's chances of getting by the Horned Frogs today, Chris.
0: I think that they are a good two-way team, um, smart basketball, uh, well-coached. And, um, you know, ultimately, uh, ASU has to try to... Uh, play its style, its brand. It's so much what you see is the tenor of the game, uh, who dictates that kind of determines whether it's going to be successful or not. ASU did that really from the outset, of course, um, Wednesday, and and that's kind of what has to happen. I I think it's a pretty decent matchup for ASU overall. It's not like TCU is uh, – like a great team in areas that ASU is particularly weak. Uh Um, So this is – and a lot of people are looking at this as a matchup that, uh, you know, it's almost a toss-up in a lot of respects as it's perceived by some people. So um, I I think ASU's got a pretty good chance. You've got to be able to get uh, second-chance baskets, score in the paint, um, can't turn the ball over. Those are some of the most important keys. We
1: talked a lot, um, various points in this year, that there seemed to be a really good team inside of ASU trying to get out, and yet maybe they don't have enough offensive pieces or the system or whatever you want to, however you want to frame it. What are the odds that they can capture some of that kind of lightning? Now, no one's going to talk about them winning on Sunday. I guess it's not out of the realm, but still. In the context of winning tonight, do you think? what do you think the odds are of them being able to kind of harness another performance like that?
0: Well, you would think probably on average, not great, but they had a three-game stretch in the non-conference where they shot the ball extremely well in in all those games, and that included VCU and Michigan, Um, two of the best teams on their schedule. Uh, So it it is possible, I think, that when you get hot, that that can carry over Uh to subsequent games. They're going to feel very confident. Of course, going in tonight, they they always are. Maybe that's even kind of one of the problems that they have, some of their shot selection at times. So it's sort of a a balancing act in that regard. But um, I think they're going to be feeling great about themselves. They've also played better away from home for some strange reason than they have. In Tempe, all of their quad one wins, um, which that would be – would have been their sixth um, um, in, in the last game. I think that we're all neutral or road games. So, TCU doesn't have that many. So, that's um, one of those things you have to look at and say, okay, you put these two teams in Denver, and uh, if ASU happens to shoot the ball reasonably well again, given that it's one of the best two point percentage defensive teams in the country, literally in the top 10 in the country. Um, And and when Warren Washington's feeling good as he, as he was passing it and scoring the ball, um, I think that they have a very good chance. He, He had COVID like a month ago. And then he went through a period of a few weeks where he didn't look himself. He wasn't finishing around the rim, and they weren't able to kind of go through him as much offensively. Um, The disadvantage, I think, for ASU is that TCU had a little bit more time to prep and scout than uh, was the case for Nevada. Um, Let's not understall the importance of you have to travel across the country from the West you have a day and a half to prepare for an opponent. And Nevada looked like it wasn't as prepared from a scouting, uh, you know, scheme standpoint as some of ASU's more recent opponents were who know uh, the Sun was a lot better.
2: Chris, great stuff as Good always. Stuff, thanks man. so much for taking some time with us this morning. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks. Thank you, Chris Cartman. Publisher, sundevilsource.com, covering ASU's uh, run in the uh, tournament in Denver. He joined us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Coming up next, we'll get you caught up to date on everything the latest going on in NFL free agency around the league. It's Pickley and Murata Mornings here on this Friday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. NFL free agency frenzy with Pickley and Murata Mornings. Friday edition of Bickley Murata Mornings. Live from the Oxygen Community Studios. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata, Jared Carlin, Sarah Cazell. Taking you up till 10 o'clock. And uh, we've focused a lot on the Arizona Cardinals activity. Uh, in free agency so far. It's been a little bit slow compared to other teams. They brought in a couple guys who will contribute. I think the biggest move that they've made uh, is on the defensive side of the ball with Kaiser White, the linebacker, coming in from Philadelphia. You know, he's, He's rejoining with his former defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon. I know there was some speculation on a couple of cornerbacks to different degrees that might fit in with the Cardinals, especially now that Byron Murphy is gone. James Bradbury went back to Philly Looked like Darius Slay was done in Philadelphia. They cut him, and then they re-signed him to a two-year extension. Uh, so he's not a possibility either. Um, I, I mean, through one week, Bick, uh, since, since the league year has opened and the Cardinals' level of activity... I wasn't expecting much, and I don't mm-hmm. think the Cardinals delivered much. Do you feel similarly?
1: No, I do. Yeah, listen, and, and I don't know what I was expecting, but I really was expecting either both the homegrown guys to be signed or at the very least one of them to at the very least kind of give the perception that, okay, listen, we're in a rebuild mode, but we're taking care of our own, and that's not to say they haven't tried. It's not to say they haven't been in pursuit of free agents, and maybe they've been rebuffed. Um, yeah, so I, I do think that I do think that in a lot of ways we have to brace ourselves for what might be a very long football season, and it's going to be incumbent upon Kyler Murray to come back from this injury and show the world... I am an elite franchise quarterback. It's going to be up to Jonathan Gannon as the new head coach to kind of serve notice that I am for real, that this staff that I have put together, that people have made fun of how youthful and inexperienced they happen to be, all of which are true, that we are the real deal, and we're going to show you, and Monty Asenboard's going to have to prove that he's got a better eye for talent and a better eye for team building than his predecessor. Now, if all those things happen, you can create good energy next year that can make this page-turning happen very quick. Yeah. And the big piece, obviously, is Kyler Murray. If he comes back and he and he is, and and is if he's just changed enough in a good way that he's ready to take the league by storm, not implausible, mm-hmm. not saying I'm betting on it, but we've seen it in pieces, haven't we? We have. I mean, there still is the fact that no matter what you think of the kid, what he did at the ending of that game in Vegas, there's
2: not another player in the NFL who could have done that. Not one. I I can't argue that. And and that was the feeling we had after that game, and... The feeling also after that game was cut and paste that for a couple more weeks and see what what, what's available. Right. And in playing a Byron Murphy highlight, the winning touchdown from that game in overtime when he picked up the fumble and went fifty nine yards, that was the high point of the season. Mm -hmm. It was the high point of the season for Kyler Murray too, Mm -hmm. quite honestly. Yeah.
1: Oh, without a doubt. So so I think that you know it's you can get surprised really early in the NFL. You can get surprised really easily in the NFL if you give up hope on your team. There were people going into last year thinking. the Jacksonville Jaguars were going to be a joke. And look at the season they cobbled together. Yeah. And so you can do it. You can. You, you can. There's. There are good football players out there. You got. You got to get them. You got to get the right plan. The Difference
2: and, is Jacksonville was a joke with Urban Meyer. They moved quickly away. Doug Peterson and they were incredibly aggressive exactly. in free agency. Well, last that year. is true. And they spent a ton of money and those guys that all made true. impacts and that, that is true. that led that that resurgence. Yeah. So
1: I'm not. I'm not expecting that to happen. I'm not expecting a winning record this no. year. I, I, I'm not sure I'm expecting anything close to it. But but I do think that that. In the NFL, that's all you get. You get one bridge here. You yeah. don't get two. You get one.
2: Great way to put it. It's it shouldn't be a long no, rebuild. You get one, uh, and one year might be too too long for too too many people. But you know, you don't get two. I, I like the way you put that. In terms of the Cardinals' own free agents, we you know, we've talked about the long list that they had. The two names at the top of the list are going elsewhere. Zach Allen going to Denver. Byron Murphy Jr. going to Minnesota. Uh, they brought back Corey Clement, the running back on a one year deal. Calvin Beecham is coming back. will Hernandez is coming back, Ezekiel Turner is coming back, and Matt Prater is coming back um I look at the rest of this list bick and and I don't know what the interest level is on a lot of these guys um and nobody really stands out as a guy that they have to bring back. So um, outside of those guys that they've already signed, I'm not sure the Cardinals are going to go down that road. Uh, much, much more often no. to bring back their own guys from last year. No,
1: it's- yeah. Listen, and again, it, it's, if, if you were not, and I, again, I don't know how much that feeling would be mutual. And I do think that, look, if you're going to build a new culture and if it's gotten to the point where, um, there's X amount of guys who want to get out, then, then you got to let them go and you've got to rebuild with a culture that's with fresh eyes, fresh hearts, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, so I, again, you get one year to kind of turn this thing back around. I, I think that that at least, at the very least, the Cardinals have looked in the mirror and recognized we need to go in a different direction. So we should all be thankful for that because mm-hmm. we weren't even sure if that was going to happen.
2: No, about half. It was pretty clear how that season was going mm-hmm. to go, and about halfway through, I was still convinced that they were not going to make. Significant moves, and then you had the Steve Keim development, and that kind of paved the mm-hmm. way, I think, for for Michael Bidwell to make more sweeping changes. The here is the other thing I want to say, because it, this
1: has also got to be said for all the for all this this growing narrative about the Cardinals and their facilities and their workplace environment and their grades from the NFLPA. Larry Fitzgerald played football here. How many years? When was it seventeen? Yeah, seventeen oh, years. Twenty one don't you think if things were really that stupid what what do you look at me like that for? well I,
2: that he would have said something Mm-hmm. well I mean actually think think, I'm what? not sure that anybody uh called him or reached out to him he didn't answer his phone <laughs> wasn't that a thing the whole time I haven't talked to him yet remember oh, that yeah that would have been funnier no, two but I, years I'm, ago saying, I'm saying
1: I'm <laughs> saying while he was what playing I mean it, it, are we are we to assume that that this all these measures just happened I I'm just saying th- there's
2: <laughs> it's also There's the- more
1: to this than than just anonymous. We don't know how many players. And again, it's, it's more than a handful. You would think so. It's an average of 40 players yeah. per team. But again, it, it seems to me that you've only heard this from the really disgruntled guys. You yes. haven't heard it from the gruntled guys. And the, no.
2: the Cardinals themselves have come out and said changes are already being made. Mm-hmm. And we talked about it the day, for the first time, we talked about that particular study coming out. There's two ways you can approach this. You can say, you know what, this is eye opening. Mm-hmm. I'm glad these, these guys spoke up anonymously because we do need to make changes. We knew, do need to keep up with the Joneses in the NFL. The other way is to say, prima donnas. Well, they need a good well- floor to work out. Yeah. And, and you can brush again, it all under the rug and do business as usual. And that can not that's not productive for anybody. Yeah. I,
1: I have a hard time believing that the Cardinals' weight room floor is in such yeah. a state of disrepair. You that can't brush
2: it under the rug when there is no rug. Right. Well, you don't want a rug in a weight <laughs> oh, no, room, you know, Jared. Right. Yeah, I don't never, know when the
1: last time never, you were in a weight room, but you do Never don't want been, a, Dan. Okay. She <laughs> wouldn't know. Yeah. 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 You keep want, keep some, ma- you want some rubber mats, Jared. Visit. Not familiar. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Never been. Yeah. Text Valley to six twenty six twenty. become a Phoenix Suns insider to get all the latest and breaking news on the Suns and their quest for an NBA championship. Again, that's Valley 2620, 620. Coming up next, we hit uh, some social studies with Sarah Cazell. Weekly Marotta Mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.